A heads up, this episode contains some discussions of mental illness and themes of suicide. Today we are talking about running. My guest Charlie Dark used it to change his life and the lives of hundreds of people. Charlie Dark is a DJ and a poet who set up Rundem Crew in 2007. It's a running community for people who don't typically consider themselves runners. Today, it has hundreds of members from all walks of life with crews and offshoot collectives in cities across the world. Charlie grew up in the same part of London as me. I met him for the first time to record this conversation. And to be honest, we could have spent hours talking about the old days, the 80s, music, clubs we both went to. But really, we had to talk about Rundem Crew. For Charlie, it all emerged from one of the darkest points in his life. I remember spending a week indoors in the dark. You go for that period, well, I've got everything. So what I do is just make it into a fortress. I'm just going to lock myself away. I just was like, I don't want to, I don't want to interact with the world. The world has let me down. I'm Ian Wright, and this is Everyday People. We're going to start Charlie's story in the late 90s. He was a musician, he was in a band, and things were going pretty well. The band was called Attica Blues. Attica Blues. And the label was called Moax. Right. So we signed to Moax. They were on A&M Records for a bit, and then we got a really big deal. So over the course of that 10 years, you know, life was kind of cool. In what way? So you just, did you, you had stuff. It was just, what, the material stuff you mean? I think what happens is you go from, I'm opening my fridge and I'm not really seeing lots of food in there. You know, I'm going to my trainer collection and there's only two pairs. I go to the record collection and there's maybe only like 500 records. Mm -hmm. But now you're traveling and you're getting paid, you know, money that you can't even fathom. Serious. So now you're just going wild. You know, records, trainers, flying about, going to New York for the day, just kind of Jeez. living, because you just don't think it's going to end, you know, and you're, and you're actually laughing to yourself secretly inside, but you can't actually believe that these people actually think that you know what you're doing. There's a bit of an imposter syndrome there. Wow. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Was you, know, you was you frightened of that in respects of someone's going to find me out at some stage? How did it end? How did that kind of... Well, I think it ended for me the way that it ends for a lot of people who sign to major labels when there's a bit of a shake-up. And then you mm. suddenly find that things are not moving as smoothly. You know, they're not sending a cab to take your mum shopping in Brixton Market anymore. You know, suddenly the trappings got start getting stripped away. Right. I just found myself at this point where I was just really, really unhappy. 
because I'd accumulated all of the stuff that I'd been told was important mm -hmm. and none of it was making me happy. Yeah. And I, I think that's a really hard thing to explain to people when they're looking at your life like, mm. dude, you smashed it. You made it out. You've done really well. But yeah. you're still looking in the mirror just yeah. like... Honestly, I, I can't even tell you how much that resonates with me simply because, remember, getting in at 22 and then by the time you're 26, you know, you've you've kind of got everything. You've got your mum the house, you've got mm. the cars sitting there, everything's happening. And I remember sitting out, sitting out, I had this big window in my house and I'm looking out there, at, like I had about five cars out there. And, you know, th th all of a sudden people are giving you everything, Charlie. You know what I mean? Before, you know, 22, you know, you walk into a shop, they're looking at you and the people are following you now. Mm. You go even near the shop and they want you to come in, they're giving you stuff. And I just sat there looking out the window at these cars and this house. And honestly, I don't know why I was so unhappy. Mm. But like with yourself, what was that? What was it like when you got to the point where you're thinking, I've got everything, I'm not happy. And plus this is starting to unravel here in respect to the music. I think, I started suffering from anxiety. Wow. So I'd go and DJ and have anxiety attacks. And what were they? Well, I would, well, you just basically have moments where suddenly the expectation of something that you do, you'd always done for love, that had been quite easy. Mm. Suddenly you Fresh. suddenly start being really aware yes. of everything you do and eyes watching you. But I had a couple of situations where, you know, big DJ gigs where I actually couldn't mix, couldn't wow. select records. Could people notice while you was doing oh, that? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, this this was like, you know, you know when you have like the dramatic, like, right. the record is running out. Oh shit. I don't know what I'm going to play next. And wow. you're just kind of like panicking, like, and I and that was really hard to deal with because I just felt like there was no one I can go and talk to because counselling at that point wasn't cool. Mm -hmm. It wasn't cool to talk about mental yeah. health. But people even don't realise in the black community as well, there's not a lot of scope for people getting counselling. It's yeah. almost like a stigma for yeah. us, for Christ's sake. It's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I think you kind of, at that point, it was kind of, what do you mean you're depressed? Mm. You uh, can't be. And, I, you know, that was really, I think people don't understand what it was like to grow up as a black man in London during that period of time and the expectations that were on you. Mm. You know, and also the fact that you know, a lot of us were rebelling against the life that we were supposed to lead. We didn't become doctors. Mm. We didn't become lawyers. We didn't go and work in the factory. We wanted something else. Because mm. you have that moment where you're looking at your parents and you're just thinking, I don't know, man, you've kind of worked really hard From, to chase this dream. Yeah. And you're just sitting in your chair. Yeah. Watching, just, you know what I mean? Yeah. Would you, would, would a, like, yes, you've got a video or it's just, you just feel like, it's funny you say that. But um, I've, I've had this conversation with with brothers and, and sisters yeah. and, and they feel exactly the same. And it's like looking at them, feeling, Charlie, that I, I don't want to, that's not how I, yeah. I want it to be, yeah. man. Yeah, especially when you've been exposed to the other side. Yes, having all of a sudden having stuff. Yeah. What yeah. was your lowest point? <sighs> I mean, I definitely had those moments where I was thinking I don't want to continue with my life. Seriously? Anymore. Yeah, definitely. Mm. And... Um, yeah, I just kind of, something that I'd loved doing, music, which had been such a big part of my life, suddenly became like this albatross around oh my neck. gosh. Who, who did you speak to? Is there anyone you could speak to? Because I remember in my times, Charlie, when I'm thinking like that and you're still having to go out there and like you say, you have mm. to score goals. I was literally just blasting on fumes, man. It was mm. like, 
you're just doing it. But I, I, I hear you with that anxiety. But I, I, I didn't have no one to speak speak to. Mm. Who did you speak to? I went candidly, to, properly. You know, I went to the doctor and I was just like, look, I need help. Wow. And that was a really big thing to actually even go and say I need help. When you wake up that morning, what what's what's happened? I'm looking I just, I just remember looking in the mirror and just thinking, okay, this is what I'm seeing back, mm. reflecting back at me, I am not happy with. I'm really unhappy with the person I see back. Wow. I he's lost his drive, mm. his purpose. So at that point, I just think, you know, I, I spent, I remember spending a week indoors in the dark. Wow. I just literally kind of. Did you do that out purposely? You backed it out yeah, purposely? I just was like, I don't want to, I don't want to interact with the world. The world has let me down. Is and that's because of the way it changed in the music and the way it was yeah. impacting on you. And so I kind of retreated mm. inside my house. You go, go to, you go for that period where I've got everything. Mm. So what I do is just make it into a fortress. Mm. I'm just going to lock myself away. You spend some time in the dark, you know, by yourself. The dog's looking at you like, are we walking today? Mm. Like, what's happening? Are we going out? Are what we... about the doctor, Charlie? When, when you spoke to the doctor, mm. has, have you spoken to the doctor already and now you're in the dark place? No, I got to the very dark place and then eventually I was like, right, I'm going to go. I'm going to speak to my doctor right. and I'm going to tell them. What did he say? You know, surprisingly, it was a kind of, you have to, pers I felt at that time you had to persuade the doctor, like, I really need help. This mm. is not something like, I don't know what to do. And you're my last resort. Oh, wow. This is like going to, you know, Obi-Wan. It's like, yeah. Obi-Wan, I need help I mean, right yeah, now. You're my only hope. You're my only hope. And I think, again, I just think people would, there wasn't, there was a stigma around being a black man with some form of mental, you know, illness. Mm. Because we've all grown up with the guys we went to school with yeah. and you go back to the area and they're just wandering around yes. the street. Yes. And I guess, yeah. you know, for your family, when you're telling them you're depressed, they think that you're going to turn into that guy, one of those characters, you know. Mm. And um, I went to see the doctor and eventually, you know, got prescribed some counselling and some medication. What was the medication and what did it do? I was a bit like, okay, so now I've got to take this happy pill mm. and wait to be happy. Okay. And I did it for a while. And I definitely, definitely felt a change in my mood. Yeah, but you see the bit when you've taken the tablet then, Charlie, and you've obviously realised that you're waiting to be happy. What are you thinking before the happiness kicks in? Well, you're you thinking, just, you just, you're just kind of like waiting. I just kind wow. of, you're doing nothing. You're just waiting. And I, you know, I just had a, had a real problem with this idea of waiting mm. to be happy. And I just thought to myself, actually, what can I do mm. to make the happiness happen more quickly. Charlie needed a new release and it was at this point that he decided to try something he hadn't done in years, running. It was uh, just a moment where I was just like, okay, I don't know why I, cho I chose running because I'd read somewhere that fitness helped with your mental state. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. And I just thought to myself, okay, I went to the gym and I walked in and it was just a big dude lifting heavy iron, <laughs> you know, that and wasn't I, you. I was just like, this is not me. The only people I really knew who went to the gym were like bad men. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> Them guys, like, they walk into the dance, the shirt is open. Yes. There's yes. 20 abs. Yes. You know, it's and walk into the party, everyone's going to leave you alone because yes. you just... Um, yeah. So yeah. I didn't want to go to the gym. Definitely not. So 
running, I thought, well, look, I've got this massive rep trainer collection mm. and I live in the area where there's like loads of places to run. Christmas Day. I think wow. Christmas Day 2006. I was just like, right. Mum was around. My mum was making Christmas dinner. And I was just like, she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm going for a run. Your first one, this is? First one. My theory, you know, remember Daley Thompson? Yes. Daley Thompson always trained on Christmas Day. And my figure was like, okay, well, if I can go out and run on Christmas Day, yeah. then I can do this on any day. Mm. And I went out before dinner and it was an embarrassment run. How, how long was it and what oh, happened? I mean, I probably ran for like 10, 15 minutes, if that. Lots of stopping, lots of walking. Have lot- you ever run and done kind of fitness stuff for Yeah, what? I'd have run cross-country school. Mm-hmm. I ran, you know, cross-country for What was your body like at this stage then in respect of the 10, 15 minutes? It wasn't the body that I had when I was 18. Metabolism starts to slow down. Mm. You suddenly start getting a belly. So after this 15-minute run, how did you feel? I felt terrible. Home? I didn't feel empowered. Did you feel depressed? Yeah, I felt embarrassed. I felt actually at my lowest. Why? Because I, I was just like, look, look what you've let happen to your body and your mind. I was blaming myself okay. for the emotional state I was in and the physical state I was in. Back in a moment. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, at this stage, many people would stop, go back to their Christmas dinner, forget about jogging. But Charlie was different. Already, he was planning his next run. Boxing day. <laughs> I was so embarrassed. You jumped on. Yeah. You jumped straight back on the horse. I was really, I was so embarrassed at how bad I was. Where'd you run, Charlie? And what made you, so you stopped I after made 15 the mis- minutes. I made the mistake of going to the park. Right. And right. trying to run around the park as fast as I could. And if I say this to any new runner, Mm. when you first start, do not go to the park. People go to the park because it sounds impressive when you say to people, man, 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 Peckham Rye Park. Mm. And people are like, oh, Peckham Rye Park, man. Wow, that's quite a big place, man. You must be really good. And so I approached it with this idea of like stats and speed as opposed to approaching it with, how's this run going to make me feel? What am I going to learn about myself Mm. from this run? Who do I hope to share it with? What impact do I hope it to have? But I literally, same again, back Boxing Day, tried again, New Year's Day, tried. I just kept on running. What was happening? Was you, was you, was you disappointed in all of the runs? No, I started to feel free. And like how I, far like, was you going? To, like a mile, like wow. to my, as far as my body could take me. Mm-hmm. I literally would just, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to run and I'm not going to get too far away from home because I won't be able to get back. Mm-hmm. And it just became, I, I just fell in love with the secrecy <laughs> of doing something that people didn't know what I was doing. What changes did you start seeing? My whole body physically just started to change. Wow. You know, I started to lose weight. I was free and uh, like free stone heavier than I am now. So weight started to drop off and my eyes started to sparkle. That was the first thing I noticed. How, how do you mean? I would look in the mirror and my and eyes would always be like little thing. rainbows kind of unicorns shooting back at me. What about your mental health? Mental health improved rapidly. I felt empowered. So tell me about 
The RDC man, the Rondem crew. Right. Every time I read that, I always say it like that. <laughs> Rondem crew. So what happened? So when did that happen? Rondem crew happened after it was a late. I started running late at night and increasingly later at night. What's the latest you'd go? I remember Mike Tyson used to say he, he trains at three or four in the yeah, morning yeah. because no one else is. Yeah, it was a two, three in the morning. I'd go to the recording. I had a studio in Bethel Green, so I'd be there, make music, run home. Wow. How far was home from there? Without re- revealing my exact location. Mm-hmm. Mm, probably about four or five miles. Okay. Yeah. So run home and um, I'd make music in the studio for my run. This is another thing I started doing. I started okay. making music to run to. I was mm. like, man, this is amazing. And again, it's all super secret. I'm doing mm-hmm. it. Um, and I had, a, I had a run late one night and I thought to myself, yo, this run is really hard. And I started making these imaginary characters up in my head. Slow boy. He was one of them. <laughs> you know, all these different characters. I gave them all names. And as I was running with them, and I started having these conversations with myself and these different characters, I suddenly thought, I should make this real. I should make this a real mm. thing. Because it's going to solve some of the things that are troubling me. Mm. And at that time, I was really kind of, this idea of the more successful you get, the more your community becomes fragmented. That was a real problem for me. I'm working a lot with young, young, you know, young kids who are landlocked by postcode, mm. which if you haven't lived that life, yes. you're like, mm. what do you mean you live in SE15, but you can't go to, mm. you know, you live in Peckham High Street, but you can't go to Peckham Rye Park. Mm-hmm. But that was a very real thing for a lot of the young people I was working with. It's a chance I felt like Warehouse parties for me were amazing because lots of different types of people came together in one place. That wasn't happening anymore. Mm. It was like house people go to house, hip hop goes to hip hop, yeah. ragga goes to ragga, ragga, you know, it was all become very separate. So it was just this idea of like, if you can bring this group of people from different walks of life together, what are the amazing things that could happen? Mm. And I was listening to Scare Them Crew. Mm. This is like, you know, Jamaican Ragger Group. And I was yeah. like, Run Them Crew. That's the name. <laughs> I just wanted to have the most unlikely running name mm. ever because I really wanted my people to be involved. Yes. And you know what they're like. If you make, you know, people will give you, when you're trying to help your friends and your community, they will give you every excuse possible for why they can't do it. So I just wanted to remove as many of the barriers. Yeah down as so possible. So no excuses? No excuses. Who was joining? I was ringing people up. I started pick, I started curating it like a club. How do you mean? The best clubs you go to have mm-hmm. got different types of energy in. Mm-hmm. So I just started to think, okay, for this this energy that I need, I'm going to need some people who take photos because otherwise people aren't going to believe that we do mm-hmm. it. I'm going to need some music makers. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to see, we're going to need some Man them in there because when people see them running, yeah. they're going to know it's a serious, serious thing. business. Yeah. 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 We need some girls in there, you know, and I literally would just be like, right, okay, we've got, you know, four of that type of people. We need two of those. And I'd bring them up and be like, listen, blah, blah, blah is coming down. You should come too. And you know, that's how they get you. And so eventually I just kind of got this group together. And again, what I did, which is really clever is I didn't tell the world. It was just an incubated group for about a year. And was that something you purposely wanted I to do? I purposely did that because I wanted people to know that when by the time they found out, it was too late for them to say it couldn't work because it was already working. It's working. It's there. And you promise. and I both know everyone loves 
to go to something that no one else knows about. You know, I made these little stickers, started sticking them up around London, fought up a whole language and dictionary and dress code. I was just like, you know, I'd go into running shops and all the clothes were green and like, mm -hmm. I was like, no, we're wearing all black. Bam. Wow. You, you know, know what? what? We've got to hear from Donna. Yes. You want to hear from Donna? Yes. Let's hear from Donna. <laughs> yeah, it, it felt for me long overdue actually um, because I'd sort of found my fitness unless you go to the gym, it was kind of more of a, a solo pursuit, especially things like running. Like none of my friends were into running. You just could not get them out the door for love nor money. So to, to finally actually be with a group of people that were really into it. And it, it was a large group of people and an ever growing group of people. And it just felt like, yeah, you know, I'm home. So Charlie, so you've started the running crew from the dark room yeah. <laughs> and now you're listening to, to Donna explaining it like yeah. that. What, what were the, the changes you start to see in people who were joining? What, was, what were they like? I think that people, so many people took many different things from it, but mm. there were some really beautiful things like the intergenerational relationships that started was really interesting. Wow, that's, that's so, so important that is yeah, as well. You know, seeing young kids find their mentors, mm. you know, being mentored by people who in any other situation they would just walk past each other you had um, you know this rise of women being really super empowered because you know like if anyone knows Donna you know she's part of She Rockers you know rap crew mm -hmm. 80s when she turned up I was like okay, I must be doing something right yeah. here because these are people that I really respect and look up to who are coming down. And, you know, this rise of women running together was really powerful. And then seeing black women coming and running together and being like, I don't care about my hair. Mm -hmm. I know I'm going to sweat the weave out. I don't care because <laughs> I'm getting down right now. You know, and seeing the looks of people. Like, right, man, like... That's the type of girl that you'd see in the club on a Friday night mm. and she just blazed past you and you're still going to see her in the club on a Friday night, but now she's run five marathons. You see when you're running, Charlie, so when you're running with them lot, so how many people would you say you run when there's a, oh, at, um, at, at the time, you like all of you, like 20, 30, 40, 50, 60? It started yeah. with 30 people and then it started to rapidly grow, kind of got from 30 to 60 and then it was like 100 and then it just went crazy. We had points where we go and run to live like 250 people they're coming out for the run. And, and so how did you, and the route, so everybody knows the route. We would just choose destinations. Okay. So again, my whole thing was, what is the running world doing? Wicked, they're doing that. We're not going to do that. Mm -hmm. So we were looking at what football was doing, what skating was doing, what every other sport other than running. Because we're trying to remix the culture right. so that it becomes more open to new people. So we would choose destinations of interest. So it might be like a music run mm. and we'd like run through like, you know, I take people on a tour of all the old school clubs in South London, you know, mm. trying to impart information to people that you couldn't find anywhere else unless you came to run them. Did you stop at these places? Yeah, yeah. We stopped, take pictures, like, you know, even that in itself. It's a tour. It was amazing to people because it was a chance for people to rediscover their city. Let's hear from Shamik. <laughs> I, I never had many people to look up to when I was growing up as a kid, like like, I had my mum, I didn't have a dad present. And other than that, like, all the other people that I looked up to were 
professional footballers. But once I turn off the TV, like they would be gone. So to have Charlie come into my life as a 19 year old who at the, at the time, you know, I was in limbo. I didn't know what I was going to do with my career. I was on the streets hanging around with bad people, although I wasn't involved with, with anything. But, you know, you know how that story goes. But he was the first person who was just who just unlocked my potential, who really spent time with me, who uh, invested his energy. After we graduated from the Youngers programme, and Charlie will admit this himself, he didn't think most of us would continue running after the programme. And me and three others, we decided to train for a London Marathon, but we didn't tell him. <laughs> yeah. He was shocked because, like, we, you know, we'd still turn, we'd still turn up on a Tuesday, we'd still run, but there was no real pressures of of training or committing to to anything. Um, and you know, he he never really put pressure on us at all. He just allowed us to be us. And I I remember doing the marathon, and each year we have a we have a cheer point uh, at mile twenty one, and I remember in the marathon coming through. Uh, West India Key and then you get onto mile 21 and when I came through just just the whole place just erupted it was just electric there was confetti cannons there were people like running (laughs) onto the course to hug me whilst I was running and um, yeah like honestly I I broke down I broke down in tears because literally eight months ago I wasn't a runner I didn't know that this world could exist and you know now I what running had done for me, it gave me structure, it gave me discipline and it allowed me to to meet people which I wouldn't normally have met. Yeah, you know, that, that marathon experience was priceless. Wow, Charlie, your, your dark moment, man, Create, <laughs> created Shamik, man. What's it like listening to uh, Shamik speak like that about running? It's amazing. You know, I think Shamik is one of our success stories and I've literally seen him grow up. And I think there's something really amazing when you take a young person for the, for the London Marathon experience. Mm-hmm. There's a moment where they run for the area where they live, where all of their friends who didn't believe that they were going to do it, and get there, see yeah. them doing it. And there's this like epiphany that goes off like, yo, man, Shamik, he actually ran a marathon. What's the tw- what's the twenty what's the twenty one mile thing? Was you was you there on that bit? I was there on that bit. Well, that must have been really powerful. So my thing was like, you know, when you watch it on the TV, the coverage is cool, but it often just focuses on elite athletes, mm-hmm. you know, and celebrities and club runners, mm-hmm. you know, and the guys running for charity at the back, right. you know, the man with the fridge on his back. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't tell you the stories, and I think if you go and watch a sporting event live. In the flesh, you know, elite guys come through. But when you start seeing like the five hour, mm-hmm. six hour, mm-hmm. seven hour people, mm-hmm. that's when it suddenly starts to really be like, hold on a minute. No one wants to be on the road for seven hours running. No one does. When it, mm-hmm. the, when the, road, the course is being closed off, you know, they're removing the barriers. Yes, and they're still running. And they're still there. And our, my thing was like, you know, taking kids to see the marathon, because I knew that once they see it once, they're going to be like, you know what, I'm going to do it this next year. He mentions um, like setting up a group. What, what about the offshoots off of the Rundham crew? Wow. I mean, so when we started, we were the only crew in London. Mm. And now, I mean, there's probably about 10 to 20 different crews that have come out of, of Rundham crew alone. People have formed their own kind of mm. chasing lights. You know, we've got a swimming crew, swim them crew started. 
because we kind of got to the point where we suddenly realised like yo like we've remixed running what are the other sports that our people are scared of doing swimming mm-hmm. we love to go to you know we go to Iron Apple we go to Ibiza mm-hmm. we don't we will look cool around the pool mm-hmm. we won't get in the water <laughs> and that's that understand you know it's just like we won't get into the water and so through doing running you know run them we started meeting people who were like you know you know competent swimmers like, oh, man, maybe we should try the swimming thing. And then I kind of had to put a little stop because I was just like, this is going to get ridiculous. It's going to come like David Lloyd Jim. We're just going to have a, a, a dem for everything. A dem crew. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's, this is an open source idea. I want to share this mm. with the world. And to hear from Donna again. He, he does end up really empowering everybody else to fulfill any ambitions that they have as well. So many other people have set up their own little mini networks um, as a result of it, I started looking at triathlon. And then I started watching these women on Instagram called 10 Iron Women. And I think most of them came from Rundem Crew. And they had decided that they wanted to do an Ironman race and try and increase the participation of women in Ironman. And I literally watched them on Instagram Live complete their Ironman race in Barcelona. I watched their training journey. And and they completely inspired me. And when they put a call out for other women who wanted to complete the Ironman, I um, put my hand up. It seems to me that Random Crew really switched their lights on. Yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely. Triathlon. She's going to do a triathlon. Just listening to the story is very, very inspiring. You know, I love listening to Shamik, obviously Donna as well, but your mental health and that now, where where are we now? What's your, what are you thinking now? My mental health is in a good place. It's not an excellent place, but it's in a manageable place. How do you you mean, how do you mean, Charlie? Because for me up to this point, you know, all I can see... It's very hard for me to get the image of you blacking out the whole room. (laughs) I think that what happens with anything, you know, is suddenly the responsibility of the thing that you've created becomes a weight. You're not going to get that anxiety about it, are you? No, I definitely don't get the anxiety, but I definitely think there's a level of expectation that comes with what I do now. You know, it's Charlie Dark, it's Run Them Crew, Mm -hmm. you know, you've got this big community, global community of people that you've built because it's a global community now. Um, and there's expectation, you know, particularly in the, in the year that we've just had, like yeah. be our leading light. And what I realise is if you don't take time for yourself, then you can't show up for other people. Right. You see, when you look back to the times when you were very low, mm. how your mental state was then, to the journey you've got to this point, how, how do you feel now when you look back at that person? I think everything that happened had to happen for a reason. And I'm glad that I went through that experience. Really, really wow. glad that I went through because because it's a it's a learning experience. I think at some point, when you're flying high, someone has to cut your strings. Wow. I think you have to have the bump because then it makes you appreciate the life that you've created for yourself a lot more. One of my big revelations, you know, during lockdown has been like. Yo, man, like, you know that life that you dreamt about having when you were a teenager? Mm. It's actually happening. (laughs) It's actually going on. Like, how amazing is that? You know, and I think a lot of times we just don't think to back to where we've come from, Mm. you know, because 
it's almost kind of, you know, as I mean, as a runner, you're always running towards, mm. you're always trying to better what you did yesterday. As a DJ, you're always thinking two, three records ahead. And actually one of the things I've learned from, you know, from my yoga practice is actually learning to enjoy the now yeah. and the present. It's, honestly, what you say there is absolutely bang on in respects of the, the now. And to try to admit to yourself, child, it's absolutely fantastic for you to say it because people need to hear it. Admit to yourself, I don't feel good today. Mm. I don't want to try. I want to make sure that I don't make other people feel bad about mm. how I'm feeling right now. I want to try and deal with that. Mm. And I think that me and with the football and the way the football just pounded at me, Charlie, about mm. achieving, achieving, winning, doing this, you know, take more injections there. Mm. I, it took me a lot of years to get out of that kind of like, you know, and like, um, to be honest, listening to it's listening to things like this and doing everyday people. For me now, it's it's like it's my mental stability. Mm, mm. Meeting people like yourself, the the, the journey mm. because there's been times when it's been dark. Yeah, but for me, but for I think now I can go and I can now take from your story the dark room because when I see you now and see what you've done, run them crews worldwide. Yep. inspiring people, everything what you've done, it's come from, a, a, it's a dark place. Yeah. I mean, I called myself Charlie Dark for a reason. <laughs> I, love it, I love it, man. I, I wouldn't change anything that's happened because I think it's kind of, it all happened for a reason because actually, you know. Even you, at the time, Charlie, you see when you're doing it at the time because I feel, I went through times while I was playing, mm. I didn't realise, it's only when I started talking to the lady, the counsellor, I realised as at my lowest moments, when I was doing doing some of my best stuff. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, of course. Well, you go into you, you go into work mode with vengeance. Everyone's an enemy. Mm. You know, every day, every moment is like I'm going to prove yeah, to these people, yeah. you know, that I can do this. And it still comes down to Charlie as well. When we're when we're younger, we have we're told that we have to do things twice as good as yeah. as white people simply because yeah. that's the, that's how you got to show them. You yeah. got to make sure you get your chance. Yeah. So I've gone through a massive period of my life doing the, I've got, you know, yeah. and I don't. It's I not sustainable. No. Yeah. You know, and it's, you know, for me, it's funny. When I look back at, you might have the same thing, but when I look back at photos of myself, mm. there's a distinct period where I didn't allow myself to smile. Wow. And actually, you know, one of the things that running has done, it's allowed me to smile in public. Brilliant. And just be happy, be like, you know, to be, because you kind of think, it's weird, right? I mean, there's so many cultural stuff to unpack, but it's kind of like, and I think when I was growing up, the, the kind of black dudes that you saw on TV were smiling. You were like, oh, man, he's not real. Man. <laughs> he's not smiling really. He's not really. He's like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So you wouldn't allow yourself to smile. Every time you saw a picture of, you know, anyone in music, they would kind of be very stern faced and looking very super urban. And, mm -hmm. and I'm like, actually, that's not me. I'm like, I'm a gregarious guy. I like to meet and talk to people yeah. and have fun and smile and just kind of, yeah. And it's, and now I realize it's okay. It is okay, Charlie. It's okay to do that, you know. And um, you know, I think it's it's one of my things is is trying to show young people is like there are many different ways that you can be you. Wow. You know, and mm. you don't have to be how the world is telling you that you need to be. You know something? I think that that's a brilliant way to wrap this. Mm. 
that's just beautiful. You know something, Charlie, your story's amazing. Thank you very much. You know, the only thing I've regret is that my ankle's fused. <laughs> How can I be involved in the run them crew with a fused ankle? You say that you make things happen. How can that happen now? You know, I need that energy. I want some <laughs> of that energy, Charlie. Well, there are people who've never physically run with the crew on the road, mm. but they come to every single session. Wow. Because they just want to be part of the positive vibe. Regardless of if you run, walk, whatever, you can be part of the crew. You don't have to physically move because there's other energy that you can bring. Nice. Random crew needs Ian Wright. Nice one. Ian Wright needs random crew. <laughs> Next time on Everyday People, the teenager testing the prosthetics of the future. I can do a two hold like that, like a pinch. It's like a pinch like this, yeah. This is called the tripod. I like to use it as a peace sign more than anything else. <laughs> then if I press it again, I can do the even smaller, only one finger like that. And then also a point, like so. Can you point so, any finger like that you want? <laughs> yes, yes I can. <laughs> if you like what you've heard so far and think you've got an amazing story to tell, I'd love to hear from you. Get in touch at everydaypeople at somethingelse.com. That's everydaypeople at somethingelse.com without the G. Everyday People is a Something Else production hosted by me, Ian Wright. This episode was produced by Paul Smith. The series producer is Jade Scott. Our assistant producer is Grace Laker. Our executive producer is Ollie Wilson. Our sound and mix engineer is Josh Gibbs. With thanks to Chris Skinner and Steve Ackerman. <laughs>